0: The Father loves you. There's a Father. And, um, and you are at home when you're drawing close to Him. And when I say that, I do realize that some people have had a very bad experience of what home is. And so when you say Father and you say home, that doesn't conjure up positive images for some people. But I want to say that also in the recesses of the heart of every human I believe, that there's a sense of wanting home in a, to be a certain thing, an awareness that home represents something of beauty, something of safety, something of, of uh, being taken care of. And I want to say that over everyone in this room, that, that that place that we described of going up into the mountain to hear God the Father, that that, that is your home. That place where your heart is receptive to whatever he's saying In the midst of the difficulties that we walk through and the questions that are unanswered and the things that are difficult, that heart turning to say, God, I need to hear you. I want to hear you. That's your home. And in your place of home, you're taken care of. Your father's watching over you. He loves you. He lays down his life for you. He does anything for you. So we were talking last week And we're going to talk about the Father a little bit today, uh, but kind of tie it into what we were beginning to discuss last week, and um, because last week we were talking about church, and we talked about how uh, Jesus, you know, we've been looking at who Jesus is, what he did, and one of the things that he said is that on this rock, Matthew chapter 16, on this rock I will build my church. And so Jesus, one of the things he is, is he is the builder of the church, and so we ask the question, you know, what is the church? And, and, And this critical theme throughout the Old and New Testament, going back in the Old Testament, is that God has always been building a temple in the earth through which he would dwell and manifest himself. Anybody remember that from last week? So there was the tent of meeting that while the Israelites were leaving Egypt, that uh, they were en route to the promised land. They couldn't build a permanent structure. But they built a tent. And God was dwelling in that place. And then when they established their promised land. They built a temple. And, and in that temple was a place called the holiest of holies. A place where God dwelled. And that is in a sense what the whole story of the Old Testament revolves around. Is God having a people where he, amongst whom he would dwell through a, a temple. All of that being a type or a shadow, a picture, using a physical building to describe what the church would be. Because when Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church, he's talking in the the sense of construction, almost like an architect or a builder. I will build my church, but it's no longer a church building like what we're in right now. Thank you, Luna. The, The ceiling is up there, and we have walls, and this is not a church. I know society calls it a church, but are you with me? This is not a church. You and I are the church. We are the temple of the living God, a dwelling place for God to live. And I want us to take that seriously and not just say, okay, I've read that scripture before. I've heard that. No, 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 no. We need to reconsider our whole lives in the context of that idea, that we're the whole everything of how we're doing church, doing church. Where'd our worship leader go? The bathroom? Okay. Okay. So, the whole idea of how we're doing church, we need to consider, is it facilitating the ultimate identity of what church really is, a dwelling place of God through the Spirit? And so, we, we talked about three ideas of this church that Jesus is building. It's building one on revelation. And what we meant by that is that, that lifting of the veil of the human heart to see spiritual truth about the kingdom of god or about the king of that kingdom jesus seeing him for who he is and when we see him or when we see his kingdom we're able to walk in it and secondarily it's about uh everybody having a role that in the temple that god's building called the church it's built by living stones the scripture says everybody finding their role fitting together it's not about a pastor standing in front of an audience all facing him And I I do the work of the ministry for you common folk. Sit down, sit down. No, it's actually that you and I are the church. And yes, this is one function of the building of the church. Ultimately, it's what you and I do outside of this context that is the true work of the ministry. So everyone has a role. And then lastly, it's in the context of family. And that's where we want to pick up today is that God, that idea of church, is rooted in the identity of who God is. He is a father. And a father is no father at all without a family. And that's what the church is. And so we need to get back, and I believe God is leading us into a place of restoring our identity based on his identity, father. We are brothers. Sorry, girls. But the Bible calls you brothers. It does. And it's, it's to be gender non-specific. It's, it's, you know, it's We don't relate to God on the basis of our gender, but he relates to us as sons, as those he confers an inheritance upon, regardless of our gender. There's ne- neither male nor female, g- Greek nor Jew, we're all one in Christ Jesus, Galatians says. Anyways, I'm getting off the subject. The, I, so we, we were kind of vulnerably sharing with you, Minda and I, that we are in an exciting journey of really evaluating what it is that we do as a local church, we're what, nine months in now, and saying actually we're going through some great things and we have our Sunday gatherings, but asking the question, is this really facilitating the fullness of what we are as a church? So some of what I am going to be sharing in the next few minutes is indicative of where I believe God's leading us to as a church, and I'm hoping that you and I can see biblical values together so that we can walk through the maneuvering of how we do church in the days to come, uh, and all be on the same page, living by the same values. Are you ready? What is church? Um, Or excuse me, I already talked to you about what is church. We're on to the next point. Jesus (laughs) referred to God as father to his followers. Now that's actually a profound thing. That was not a biblical idea. The Jews were not, I mean, there may have you know, been some idea of God as father, but they more kind of Abraham as their, as their father. That father, the concept of God as father is something that Jesus, a new and revolutionary concept that Jesus ushered forth, and specifically when Jesus was doing his ministry he was preaching to the multitudes the bible says or the crowds or the masses in other words people out in society that did not know who Jesus was they were interested though because he was doing some some interesting let's say stuff he was doing miracles he was preaching stuff about God that people had never heard of and crowds began to gather and so he was doing miracles amongst these crowds, but then there were others within those the crowd that said, I believe that you are not just a prophet. You're not just a teacher, you are the Messiah. And I want to follow you. These people the Bible refers to as the disciples. This, my friends, is the first church. This is the beginnings of what it looks like for Jesus to build. church. You following? The disciples. In other words, those who had a conviction of who Jesus was and that conviction was so strong that they decided to leave what they were doing, who they were, to follow him clinging to his word. That is the identity of church. Now when you put it in that context, sitting on a pew like my friend Jonathan is doing over there does not fulfill the fullness of what the idea of church is. Am I right? But Jonathan opening up his heart on a daily basis to seek Jesus and what he's saying, that is the context of church. And when the, the disciples, there's this one passage of scripture at the beginning of uh, Matthew chapter 5. And we're about to read a, pa- a scripture from there. You can turn there if you want. Where it says that Jesus saw the crowds in verse 1. He saw these crowds, these multitudes of people that didn't know who he was, and he had been sent to reach them. And in order to reach them, he walked away from them. And instead of going to where they were, he went up into a mountain, into a place that he knew the only people who would go there were people who had decided to follow him. It was a difficult place to traverse. The people who didn't know who he was, they're not going to pay the price to get up there. We'll wait for him to come back down. But the disciples, the first church... They went up into that place because they were clinging to every word. And when he gathered those people and separated them from the rest of the crowd, he says this, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify, listen to this, your Father. Now, they had never thought of that before. That was a new concept. That's the first time Jesus is recorded as referring to God as Father, is when he pulls these, this first church apart and refers to God as their Father. That your Father, they may glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now I want you to just take that one point and register that is the beginning of church, that is the core identity of church, is that in the believing Jesus to follow him, because he is the Son of God, We become what he is as we follow him, sons of God, him as our father. That is what church is, family. Cool? God's identity as father is what creates church as family. Can I just read a few scriptures to reinforce that idea? That God's identity as father is what reinforces the idea of church being family. And why am I saying this? Some of you may be sitting there with your fans and and saying okay what do we this sounds very theological and very okay no please go on with your hip fans i'm not asking you to sit down go go crazy with your fans i encourage you to the, the the why am i saying this because i think that some of the foundational plates you know like with an earthquake the the foundational plates underneath the surface shift and it causes an earthquake i think some of the foundational sh- plates underneath the the constructs of how we do church need to shift where church is no longer primarily a Sunday meeting as important as these moments are whether it be Sunday or on a Wednesday or on a Tuesday morning or whatever it may be moments of equipping and preaching and teaching the word of God and hearing the word of God they're important but it needs to be undergirded by the reality that we're first and foremost family that's the that's what we're getting at here so having said that look at John 112 we're not going to teach these scriptures i just want to read through a bunch to saturate this atmosphere with the reality of what it is that we're talking about. John chapter 1 verse 12 says this, Jesus says this, but or John says this, but as many as received him just like those disciples who had chosen to follow him, they received him. He gave them authority to become children of God to those who believe on his name. So the idea is that the, if you receive him, you become a child of God. Ephesians 2:19 now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Who here dwells in a house? And, and what usually lives in a house? People in the context of family. That's what the Bible is talking about, that we are now members of his family. That's what church is. Church is not a place that we go to, it's a, it's a family who meets. Right? So Romans 8.14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received, listen to this, the spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now I know all of us understand that we are God's children and I relate to God as my Father, but I think that we need to take that, that idea a next step further and say the church, the thing that Jesus is building, the apple of his eye, the, the, the hope of humanity is a family. Not a meeting, not a building, not a whatever. The meeting, the building, all of that help facilitate and reinforce The value of the fact that we're family. In Ephesians 3, 14, it says, For this cause I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And so I'm going to ask the question and say two things here. Oh, Let me just read the scripture. If you go with me to John chapter 20, verse 17, this idea that Jesus and what he accomplished created an extended family on mission. And what I mean by that is not a nuclear family, it's like we are an extended family because my friend over, over here, Debbie, you may see her, she's listening intently, but you can see that perhaps and discern that she is not of the same um, uh, uh, racial background as I am. She's, she's no, she's not. She, she's a, a mixture of uh, German <laughs> believe it or not, but by adoption. But uh, she's got Korean blood in her. And um, and I'm, you know, a mutt from Europe. So I've got British and Prussian, you know, and Czechoslovakian, German. Yeah, German. So we do have that thing in common. And so so perhaps she's not by blood or, or you know, but the, the idea is that this, this family that we have to... to to understand of what Jesus was saying, is in another cultural context, you usually lived in a house with your extended family. And so the church, the picture of the church—is extended family, it's not just the, those in my nuclear family, it's a broader picture, but we nonetheless live together, we do life together, we share together, and we are on mission together, because Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. You're not just a family to hang out and have potluck dinners and uh, make each other feel warm and cozy. You're here on a mission together. And to, on that note, John chapter 20, verse 17, listen to this. Final parting words, in a sense, from Jesus. This is after he's ascended and he reappears. Oh, excuse me, this is after he resurrected and he was on, on the earth. I'm sorry. John chapter 20, and in verse 17, again, this, Jesus had resurrected and here he is back from the dead talking to people And in verse 17 he says, Jesus said to her, do not touch me for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brothers, again family terms, and say to them, I ascend to my father and your father, to my God and your God, driving home the point that you are now brothers just like I am, we are sons of him, and the God who was my father and not yours has now become mine and yours, my father, my God, your God, your father. That's what we've walked into. So how did Jesus express extended family on mission while he was on this earth? And I've got two ideas that we'll look at over the next couple of minutes. Again, to fuel the pathway forward that we as a local church family will have. So how did Jesus express extended family on mission? Firstly, the first of two things is that he showed the family how to be a child of God. And I think that this is of great importance. It's almost like if we can get anything right in life, let's get this right. He showed the family. He demonstrated. He showed. He came to demonstrate on earth what it looks like in heaven. That heaven is a family. And here is how to live in that family. I'm a son. You're called to be a son. Watch me. Watch how I do this thing because this is what you're called to do. So how did he do that? John chapter 5. You can flip with me there to verse 19. In 20, this is how Jesus demonstrated how to be a son. He said, then Jesus answered, in verse 19, and said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, in fact, I read this scripture just a few minutes ago, the son can do nothing himself but what he sees the father do. For whatever things he does, these also the son does likewise. That's what it looks like to be a son, watching the father and doing what you see the father doing. Again, the church is built on Rev. anybody remember? Revelation. Thank you, Minda. Revelation, in other words, the opening of our eyes to see what heaven is doing. That didn't quite work, did it? Yeah, on this rock I will build my church. What is this rock? It's Revelation. Peter had confessed a revelation. But what he sees the Father do, for whatever things he does, these also the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all the things that he himself does. So, a couple things we want to say about this is firstly, our identity, listen to this, our identity as children is that the Father loves us. Let that sink down in there. It says, for the Father loves the Son. And shows him all things that he himself does. So that's firstly. Is that the father loves us. And let's remember that that's in a context. We become sons by believing in Jesus. Just like the people physically follow Jesus. We become sons. The orientation of becoming family is in the context of following Jesus. So it's not just God loves me so I go off and do whatever I want. He does love you regardless of what you do. But that place of identity and home is found in the place of sincerely following Jesus who loves us incomparably. But then our identity, according to what Jesus did, is that, he, uh, is that we seek to do nothing but the will of God. The Son does nothing but what he sees the Father doing. Can we say that, that let that be our orientation? Let's not just do... ...whatever we want to do and then we go to church and we hear about God and some scriptures... ...and then we go back off and, and do... ...our whole identity as sons is that we're seeking the will of our father... ...because we know that he is good, he trusts us... ...and he, and he according to the scripture, shows the sons all things that he himself is doing. We have access to have revelation from him. And then thirdly, we aren't... ...just make this point very clearly... As a church, you know, all of us want to be successful. All of us want to be a part of something that is successful. How do we measure, engage success? It's not by programs. How many of you make your family a successful family by instituting programs? I'm not saying programs have no value, but is that what family is? It's not by programs. It's not by meetings. Family is actually successful by seeing what the Father is doing in, in doing it. If we can say that we are seeing what the Father is doing and that's what we're doing, we are in a sweet place. You would agree? So how did Jesus express extended family on mission? He showed the family how to be a child of God. How to live as a child of God. No, living in the love of God. Living in the revelation that God, I had lunch earlier this week with somebody. And he was talking about how he came to a place of realizing that when he had children... How God loved him. Some of you have never had children, so you don't know what that's like. But, it's, but it's, you can imagine, when you have this child, and this child has come out of your body, potentially. You know, unless you're adopted. But even if you've adopted, here's, you're the parent. And there's this overwhelming sense of love. And this, like, it doesn't matter what they do, they're yours. How could you ever stop loving them? And this guy, he's kind of grew up in a tough Romanian background... Never really had that kind of love from his earthly father. And he said in that, when he had children, that's when the penny began to drop. God loves me like that. He doesn't love the future me. He doesn't love the me that he can try to perfect and one day he'll start loving me. He loves me now in the same way that I love my own sons now. So to live in that place as children of God, but then to, to based on that love, to follow after him and to seek to do his will. But secondly, how did he demonstrate extended family on mission? He demonstrated the kingdom in real life and in the context of family. He demonstrated it in real life. In other words, again, I'm not trying to poo-poo what we're doing here. I hope, I hope, please, I hope I'm just trying to say if this is our identity of church, like I go to Border City Church, and that's like a, a, a meeting that happens on, on Sunday. If that's our idea, that I'm wanting to say, let that have a deeper reality that it's actually family like what we're doing with the opals right now great expression of family getting together beyond just this meeting where we're hearing teaching and hearing you know worship music that has been prepared for us we're doing life together and that's what Jesus did the stuff that he did took place in the context of real life and so if if you don't believe me if you can turn with me to Acts chapter 1 I mean, you can turn to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and read any of those, and you're going to see Jesus doing his ministry in the context of real life. But to sum it all together, Luke, who wrote Acts and Luke, Acts was actually a sequel to his Gospel of Luke, where he recounted the life of Jesus. He has the interesting perspective of not only recounting the life of Jesus, but then what Jesus handed over the, the beginnings of the church and how what Jesus started f- continued to flow in like manner through the life of the early church. And when Luke begins his, his book of Acts, he says this, Truly, O Theophilus, a word that means lover of wisdom, I made the first report, speaking of the gospel of Luke, as to all things that Jesus began, say began, He began, he didn't end it, he didn't complete it, he began both to do and teach. Do and teach, do and teach. Both to do and teach until the day he was taken up, having given directions to the apostles whom he chose through the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, what did he begin to do? He didn't complete it, he didn't finish it all, he left it incomplete that other people would complete it. But he began to do and teach. And that doing was demonstrating the life of God in ordinary life. In fact, if you look, which I have, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you look for how did Jesus conduct meetings, do you know how he did it? He actually didn't have them. He actually just had crowds that he would pull aside the disciples and give some instruction to. So what I'm saying is the whole thing took place in real life in the context of doing and teaching. Modern day church today puts a whole bunch of emphasis on the teaching. In fact, it's like the idea of what church is. But I want to say it's got to be doing and teaching. And unless there's doing, the teaching is, in, in essence, irrelevant. The teaching actually only has power in so much as it leads to doing and so forth. Cool? So, um, when they were choosing leadership for, for this same church, if you drop down lower in that same chapter, Acts chapter 1, many of you know that Judas uh, betrayed Jesus and hung himself, and, um, and he was to be named amongst one of the twelve, and they had to replace him. And as they begin to decide who is going to replace him as the 12th apostle, this is, uh, this is the criteria that they said that they need to look for. Listen to this closely. Therefore, it is right that one of these men who have co- accompanied with us, or accompanied with us, all the time that the Lord Jesus came in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to that same day that he was taken up from us to become a witness with us of his resurrection. What I'm wanting to say there is when Jesus chose the apostles, like we said last week, It said that they might be with him and that they might be sent out to preach the gospel. Do you remember that? That part of how Jesus, what he was building as the church, was calling people not just to come to his meetings and to do whatever, that they would be with him, right? And then when uh, one of those betrayed him and they left their post and there needed to be a twelfth apostle chosen, what was the criteria? Somebody who had been with us from the beginning, from the birth, I mean, excuse me, the baptism with John all the way through the resurrection in other words not just somebody who caught some of the teaching somebody who walked with us caught the dna lived in family with us and in community with us and holds it in their heart somebody who's a part of this thing and so the point being is that it underscores the idea that this church that jesus is building is actually one of living doing life doing family together and then you look into the next chapter, Acts chapter 2, verse 46. I love this passage of scripture, so important. It brings balance to our idea of church because some people have gotten fed up, can I say, with church. Um, I know, you know, that's a shocker for some of you, you've never heard of anyone getting fed up with church, but did you know that there are people who are sick of church and um, and have been hurt like legitimately hurt in church and there are some practices in church that aren't particularly helpful and sometimes when people get hurt they have a tendency, most of us, in a defense mechanism to try to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And so instead of saying, let me be a part of the solution, they've said, I don't want to be a part of church anymore. And which is a, a sad, sad thing because that's what Jesus is building, the church. And they've actually forfeit their inheritance to be a part of what Jesus is doing and a self-preservation mechanism to say, I don't want church anymore. And so what I want to say is this idea of church that we've had, what, that's basically a teaching center. It's where you go to listen to a message. We don't need to just throw that out and say, no, no, no. That's, that's, it's, we, we're just community. That's all we are. We're, just, we're, just, it's, we're two or more gathered. That's, that's, that's what church are. And here in, in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 46 says, continuing with one accord in the temple, in other words, in the place of organized, collective, larger gathering where the apostles were teaching and giving instruction that paved the, the, the way of seeing revelation of what the kingdom of God was and, and spoke into the life of church it, daily in the temple, but and from broke bread from house to house. They shared their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. So is it family and gatherings, or is it in the temple and organized meetings? My wife says yes. What do you say? It is both. That's the the thing. Jesus did the same thing. He lived with them. He, he, uh, He did the things of the kingdom while he walked with them, but he also taught them. And he asks them to sit down and let's listen for a while. I want to give you some instruction. Then let's go back and let's do this thing and let's live in it. But then let's go back in here and let's get some instruction and keep on going a little deeper, a little further. And then let's go back. You see what I'm saying? It's got to be both. And it's in the context of living together, breaking bread together, sharing life together. And so uh, let me get my bag here and get this thing out. I just want to read something that I found interesting, uh, a guy named Dudley Daniel, who actually was the original leader of the NCMI team, which, which this church partners with. A while ago, he made this manual that I've gone through, and you can see, you know, you know a, a book is, is, is actually made use of when it looks like this, and it's got like parts falling apart. You, you, can, you, can, you know how spiritual a person is by what their Bible looks like. Yeah, it's much loved. So, uh, uh, Dudley Daniel had this to say, that the church is to be seen as family, not an organization or institution according to Hebrew thought. Our understanding of church must be rooted in family. And a, a well-known guy, some of you might know him, Bob Mumford, said this, the New Testament is Hebrew thought in Greek language. Do you guys know that the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. Amongst Jews, New Testament written in Greek, speaking to a Greek-speaking Roman em- people of the Roman Empire, but it's Hebrew thought in Greek language. Now follow along. Therefore, it must be interpreted through Hebrew thought. Hebrews thought in a completely different way to others. In the early 1900s, all theology fell into the hands of German theologians who, generally speaking, were anti-Semitic, anti-Jewish. The result is an anti-Hebrew model of church. Church leadership is a classical example of this. The term elder in the New Testament is carried over from the Old Testament, and in the Old Testament he goes on to explain that elders were people who sat in the gates of the city in a form of protection of that city, and that nothing came into the city, nothing went out without passing through the city, and they were known as the city fathers. That was the concept of eldership in the hebrew mind so when elders were instituted in the church that was what they were thinking is a father you following along so the so those who think with a greek or gentile mentality leader oftentimes means managing director president etc and so in the church we have leaders who have set up their church structures just like a business so i'm just wanting to say this because we might unknowingly be more influenced by this kind of thinking than we're actually aware. Of. And we need to get back to the thinking of, of the people of God or the, or the God of the, of the scriptures. So here he kind of made like a managing director known as the senior pastor. And then beneath him, sorry, Anna, you can't see, you've got two associate pastors. And there's this hierarchical structure that they all do what he says and they kind of implement it to the home group leaders or the deacons here. And then there's the, the lowly church member just has to eat from the crumbs of spirituality. <laughs> and, but so, but I mean, I, I'm, I'm mocking and I'm kidding, but I, I really don't mean to mock. The, the point being is that th- this is an anti-Hebrew, anti-Scripture model of church leadership. We're, I know we're not talking about leadership here, but here the, lo- the broader point. A leader is to be a father who exercises his authority out of concern for the family members not out of concern for his own reputation. Out of our presupposition and the influence of German theologians, we see the church as a corporation or a club. And that's what you wind up with when it's just a temple gathering to hear a teaching and to sing some songs together. It's a social club with Jesus attached to it. In terms of salvation, in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says this, I am the way... No man can come to the Father except through me. Oftentimes, church has said, I am the way nobody can get to heaven except by me. One is a place, or one is a a place instead of a family. What Jesus is building, the church, is primarily family. What are we inviting people into to get saved? It's not just to go to heaven when they die. You're inviting people into a family that doesn't exist then, it exists now. The kingdom doesn't exist then, it's in us the moment we receive it, and it begins operating now, and I'm here to say the kingdom of heaven is family. That's always been the intent. That's what church is. I know that we're speaking up here, and you're probably wondering, Paul, you're just talking about church, so what? I understand that, and there is a tension in what I'm saying. You're wondering, feed me. I want to know what this means for practical life. We're going on a journey together. And I'm wanting to just speak into values as we walk out the practicalities. So let me just make this point um, in the kind of conclusion is that, look, there are different models of church. How many of you know that? Different models of church and God uses various models. So we are and never will be here to attack any model. And it, it's, honestly, it bothers me when I'm fellowshipping with a Christian and maybe they're on one thing. They're, they're in this community church and they talk about mega church as if it's like this evil thing. And sometimes you deal with them. It's, a lot of you were a part of Grace Christian Church. Why would we say that? What's, I mean, sure, it's got flaws, I'm sure, but my gosh, I mean, my experience with Grace Christian Church is tons of great stuff. People after people after people. People who had do, knew nothing to do with church found home at Grace Christian Church. I applaud that. And if it's a mega church, that to me just means it's reaching more people. That's awesome, right? So so we've got to be able to have a grid to, to appreciate many models. And, and the body of Christ is just that. It's a body of Christ. And some are a shoulder. They don't need to look like an elbow and, and a thigh and all that kind of stuff. We've got to appreciate all of that However, we do need to say that some models of church do not and will not facilitate certain kingdom truths. And so I just want to point out some of that. Most, a lot of what we've known in conventional church, church life revolves around a meeting. And as I said before, what Jesus demonstrated was not come to my Thursday night meeting, we meet at seven o'clock and your life's going to be changed and, you know, I'm Pastor Jesus and, um... I'm, I'm, uh, I'm the man of power for the hour, so, you know, come and, and be rocked by the Spirit through my ministry. It, it, was, it was life. He, like, in fact, I was talking to Jason earlier before. He, he, he went up into a mountaintop and did the thing of the kingdom. He went into the valley and preached to people, and he went into the marketplace. He sat down. The kingdom of God was a living, ongoing force and entity, So conventional church revolves around a Sunday meeting typically. Am I right? What's that? Yeah, and thank you, Mandy. Okay, let's raise our voices here. Am I right? Most of us, or most of society looks at church and thinks of it as a Sunday morning entity or a Sunday entity. And Jesus wasn't about having meetings. He had a family that met. And uh, also, a lot of what we've known as conventional church is consumer oriented, And can I say, especially in America. In other words, the church produces, it gives me a product just like the rest, Pho Lucky, across the street, that way I think, gives us, that way, thank you. Is that Woodward there? Yes, it is, that way. Pho Lucky, who gives us some awesome Vietnamese noodles. And uh, we go in there with our cash or our credit and we give them a card. They give us, they give us uh, the food that we want and there's a nice transaction there and it's a consumer-oriented and we take that same thing into church except here the product of the service provided is a message and a well-trained worship team and we do the thing and we go through the motions and somehow I hope that I get encouraged and my family gets spiritual food and we go off and we go live our own lives encouraged by what we got on Sunday living unto ourselves, doing our own thing. Whereas the church is a family living together on mission, together. And um, the church organization, I mean, excuse me, Jesus' church is full of sons, all of whom play a role in the building of the church. And Jesus' church is built on partnership, not payment for services rendered. We all do the ministry. And if Border City Church is to fulfill its call and its duty, it means that all of us find our place and take our place and walk in it, each of us following Jesus as individuals, each of us also following Jesus together as a family. Father, we thank you for what you are building. And uh, we thank you, even as Jason acknowledged earlier, uh, that there are different seasons of the growth. And Lord, we want to rejoice in this sweet season that we are in now, where perhaps Maybe we're not seeing a lot growing up out of the ground on the, on the, on the, above the surface of the soil in terms of evident, tangible fruit, but you're building a root system of the values of the kingdom and you're building a root system of depth of relationship that you can build upon in the days to come. Father, we pray, having said that, we want to pray that you would make us the same type of family that you expressed and demonstrated as you walk this earth, that we would be that here on this earth. We want to pray that that which is willed in heaven, let it be here in us as a local church expression of your kingdom. Let it be established here that we would be family on mission together. And Father, in that we pray that there, just like there is in, in real healthy family, that there would be healing, that there would be love, that there would be the healing of hearts, that, that you would place the lonely in families, that there would be the discovery of purpose and role and function and um, a, a bringing up of your children into their inheritance and calling and destiny. And that in the days to come, we would be able to turn around and say there are so many who were wandering in life and have now found purpose, have discovered their purpose, and are walking in purpose, and your glory is being seen. We pray this in the confidence and strength of the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.